John 16 and verse 20. This is Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. Now, as a man, I don't understand that. I've always thought, I don't see how a woman would ever have more than one child. But they have two, three, four, five, you know, however many. And Jesus explains it to us right here. It's something psychological that happens in the mind of a woman that once that child is born in the world, the joy overtakes any pain, any anguish, any complications that she may have had. He said, and now therefore, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Aren't you glad that your joy is not dependent upon the external activities of this world and society, but it comes from a deep reservoir of the peace of God and the Holy Ghost that you have on the inside of you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, or up to this point, you've never prayed in my name. Jesus is giving them the passcode, the passkey. He said, you've, you've never prayed before in my name, but now, he said, ask and you shall receive. He is teaching us that prayer is to take place in his name, and that your joy may be full. I want to preach tonight, teach, talk, however the Lord sees fit to do this. I want to talk to us about does, does prayer really change things? We need to answer this question tonight because it is the foundation and the basis of our relationship with God. Does prayer, have you ever asked yourself in the middle of, of praying for something, am I praying in vain or is there somebody up there that's really listening and really interested and concerned about the situations in my life? Does prayer really change things? I hope to answer this question tonight. Let's give the Lord a great hand clap of praise before we are seated. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. As I begin to look at this and begin to think of what successful prayer really is, I believe successful prayer is answered prayer, don't you? Has God ever answered a prayer for you? I believe that successful prayer is answered prayer. It's when God answers our prayer. And since prayer is the basis of our relationship with God, Jesus himself said that he that cometh to the Father must first believe what? That he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now that's a very, uh, very big words that he used there. Let me just break it down for you. Jesus said, if you're going to come to the Father, you must first believe that he is. That is, that is a tie-in to I am. He said, I am that I am. That is a you got to believe that he is who he said he was. You have to believe that he is God. And that he is the rewarder or the answer 
to those that diligently seek him. That's just a, just a fancy definition for prayer. He said, if you come to me, you got to believe that I am God, I am he, and that I'm going to answer your prayer when you pray that prayer. And it's when God begins to do what we've prayed for that we understand the power of prayer. But one of the things that as I begin to look at this, I think sometimes the church knows how to pray or knows to pray, but I don't know if the church knows how to expect God to answer their prayer. It's very, very important that when you pray, you don't just pray amiss, but that you pray with an expectancy in your spirit that God is going to answer my prayer when I pray. Sometimes, even myself, I'll be honest and transparent, I have been surprised when God did something that I asked Him to do. I may have prayed it, but I really didn't believe God was going to answer that prayer. Anybody want to be honest with me? You're just... You're just Throwing it out there, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I read an article a while back about a church that had purchased a new building. And this was their dream. They had raised all this money, saved all this money. And they had bought this new building in downtown Detroit. And right after they opened the doors of the remodel, got in their new church, there was a triple X movie theater that opened right next door to them. Now you got a church and an adult movie theater side by side. So what the church began to do was they went on a prayer chain for God to shut the doors on the theater. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and the pastor said one day I got up, went down to the church and the fire trucks are there. The movie theater had burned down. And the church was completely intact. Well, he got... A, a letter in the mail from an attorney, the movie theater found out that the church was praying for God to shut the church down. And so they went and got an attorney and now they're suing the church for God answering their prayer and burning down their movie theater. Well, they go into court and the church is saying, God didn't answer our prayer. That's just an act of God. He did it. And, there's, and the Triple the, the X movie theater is saying, no, you prayed and God answered your prayer and burned our business down and now we want remuneration. And the judge, he just stopped it and he said, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I got a church that doesn't believe in prayer. And I got a triple X movie theater that believes in God and believes that God answers prayer. What am I supposed to do here? Sometimes we pray, but like the church in the book of Acts that was praying for Simon Peter's release from prison, he's knocking at the door. The little girl runs in there and says, Hey, God answered our prayer. Simon Peter's at the door. And they're like, Hush, child, you don't know what you're talking about. Get out here and pray with us so God will deliver him. And finally the Bible says Peter starts knocking on the door so hard they got to go see. The church was praying, but they didn't even believe God was going to answer the prayer that they were praying. I believe God answers prayer. That's the receive part where Jesus said, ask anything in my name and you will receive it. That's the receive part. That's what we're asking God to do. But how many of us know that, that sometimes when you read your Bible and you read that one phrase that says, ask and you shall receive, it takes you three seconds to say that phrase. But how many of you know that sometimes between the asking and receiving, it's not three seconds, sometimes it may be three years. Amen? Sometimes it may be 
30 years sometimes it may be 10 years and that is what I want to talk to us about because so many times we ask God for things and sometimes the lightning doesn't strike and sometimes the promise doesn't arrive in an instant and so I want to talk to you about when you have prayed and now you are in that point of asking God how long before you answer my prayer has anybody ever been there I've been there Come on, I know what I'm talking about tonight. When you pray a prayer and you need God to move on your behalf, but the answer doesn't come immediately. The placement of the word spoken from the mouth of Jesus can seem immediate when you read it. But you don't know if it's a decade or a month or a week or, or an hour. There are times that people prayed and the Bible said it happened instantly, immediately it happened. But sometimes you can ask God, Lord, heal my marriage, and the receive is the healing. But a lot of times we don't know how long it's going to be between the prayer and God answering. That's why Paul says in Galatians 6 and 9, be not weary in well-doing. Because in due season you can reap, but the key is you can't faint. You gotta, you, there's a reaping that will come. The key is you can't faint in between the asking and the receiving. You can't give up on the prayer and the answer between the praying of the prayer and the delivering of the answer by God. Ask and you shall receive, but be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Don't lose heart in what you are praying for. Jesus tells us that. He says, don't lose heart in the middle of all of that because it's in between the promise and the prayer and the fulfillment or the answer that it's so easy to lose heart and give up and walk away from God. There was a documentary that I was watching a few years ago and it was about the wild animals and the cheetah and how it was the fastest land animal. And man, I, don't, I can't remember how fast it was going, but it was way up there. It was above the speed limit in Woodworth. I do know that. It was that fast. But they said that the cheetah has such a small heart that while it can run really fast, it can't do it for very long. Because its heart will just just shut down. It'll break. It, it, it won't work. It's, it's not built for that cheetah to run long distance. So whatever animal it's chasing, if it can make the race long, it's got a real good chance of getting away because it can't run that fast for very long. The heart faints. And that's what happens to us if we don't pray. If, if we don't pray for God to enlarge our hearts. If we don't pray for God to somehow let us not be weary in doing the work of the Lord. Then we'll find ourselves in between the asking and the receiving. The prayer and the answer. We'll find ourselves giving up on God and walking away from something that God birthed in our spirits because we don't have the spiritual stamina to stay and pray and go after it and keep reaching and believing. I want you to know there are promises that God made me way back over a decade ago that I'm still holding on to today. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have the power. It doesn't mean that they won't come to pass. The problem is I don't know how long it's going to be 
before I'm ready to receive what God has for me. The Bible says that weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, I've had my share of weeping times. I've had my share of brokenness. And the problem is nobody can tell you how long your night is going to be. No one can tell you how long you're going to have to sit in sackcloth and ashes, Job. Nobody can tell you how long you're going to be in a prison or how long you're going to struggle against this issue in your life. All we know is that if we will hold on to the promises of the Lord, we are promised that no matter how long our night is, that there is going to come a sunrise, there's going to come a daybreak, there's going to come a dawn, and if we will hang on to the promises of God, we will rejoice again. The heart faints. And so we have to understand what God is doing in us and for us when we are asking and waiting. So let me just tell you a couple of things before we shoot over to the book of Joshua and we close tonight. Don't get happy about me saying close because i got some things to say before we close. So don't get all pumped and excited. we still got a little ways to go. Number one, in between the point where you pray and receive the first thing God is doing is He is readying you and preparing you to receive your answer. That God is so smart not to put something in your hands that you're not ready for. And so we have to realize that it is God who is a Father that knows not only what we need, but when we need what we need. I was having breakfast this week with a new convert and I told him and, and I asked him if he believed that, that God has all power. And he said, yeah, absolutely God has all power. Of course God has all power. And I said, do you believe that God has the power to fix everything that's going on in your life? And Kurt said, yeah, God's got that kind of power. I said, well, let me tell you something else I've learned about God that's just as important as His omnipotent power is that not only does God have all power, but He has all wisdom too. And we forget that. We focus on the what and never the when. And He said, because I'm your Father, I know that if I allow this blessing to come or this answer to come now, that I am jeopardizing your future, your growth, and your destiny in me if I answer before you're ready to receive your answer. I have to work on some things in you. How many of you, you feel the hand of God working in your life? That God's working and moving and trying to correct and, and remedy some issues and things in your life. I made a small investment many years ago. A small investment. A financial investment that has the potential one day maybe of paying off real big. And But you know what? I... I when I first made that investment, I was counting the days. I was like, man, this could happen any time. Man, this is, this is so good. And now it's drug on for, you know, close to eight years. And, you know, and, and one day I was praying and I said, God, I'm not even going to think about this anymore. Because if I believe that every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither the shadow of returning, then every second I spend worrying about this is a second that I am wasting 
And I said, God, let me just go ahead and put it to you like this. I would love for you to do this. I would love, God, I would do this for the church and do this for people and do this, 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 and, you know, doing all this. But I said, God, if this is to my detriment and if this is going to cause me to be lost and lose my walk with you, don't ever let it happen. If you let it happen, God, make sure my heart's strong enough to sustain it. Make sure that my, my mind is strong enough in you to sustain it. Come on. You're praying for God to let you win the Powerball. And if you win the Powerball, you're going to go right back out into the junk you were doing while, before you got in the place you are right now. And God knows that. And it's more important for God for you to be saved than for you to be rich. It's more important for God. You may wind up in prison, but if you wind up saved and hearing God say, well done, that's better than living your whole life free. Well, I'm getting about the amens I thought I'd get. Come on, God knows what we need. But He also knows when we need it. He knows what blessing can become my downfall. He knows that if He opens up the windows and pours out this blessing, what it's going to do in my life. What it's going to make me and, and how it's going to shape me. We shout over the Scripture where God says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough in your life to receive it. And we shout over that. We talk about, oh, look how big God is. He can bless me and I don't even have room to receive it. And one day, the Lord just checked me and said, there's another side to that. He said, I don't want to waste. I'm not a God of waste. I have no interest in pouring out a blessing upon your life that you have not prepared to receive. That you have not enlarged your borders to receive. Let me put it to you this way. We pray for a hundred soul revival, but if we've only got the capacity to love, disciple, and care for ten, then God's just wasted ninety souls. And God's not interested in wasting ninety souls. And so while we pray for a hundred soul revival, God may know we only have the capacity to sustain five. And so I'm not going to cuss God when He gives me five. I'm going to say, God, you know what you're doing. I'm going to take this five and love them and work with them and disciple them. God knows what we need when we need it. When God begins to delay something, He's doing it not because He's angry, but because He is our Father. How many of you would just give your 13-year-old a brand new pickup truck and keys and full tank of gas and turn them loose? Would just go wherever you want. Do what you want. We won't do that. Good parents don't do that. Now one day they might be able to, to withstand that kind of a blessing, but not, not at that age. And so God knows what we need when we need it. Because He's working something inside of us. Number two, and this is something that God has really been working on me about. Number two, when you pray for one thing, but in order for God to do that one thing in your life, He's got to do 10,000 other things over here around you in order to bring one prayer to pass in your life. You don't understand that. We just say things like, God... I want to go in the ministry. Do you really understand the kind of request and the magnitude of what you just asked God to do? To make that a reality? He's doing things that, you, that don't even seem to relate. 
And God is saying, I'm working things out that has nothing that you think has nothing to do with the script of your life. But in truth, it has everything to do because I have to do all of these other things in order to prepare you for the one thing that I want to do in your life that you asked for. Okay? How many of you have ever prayed this prayer? God save my child. You ever prayed that prayer? God save my child. Save my son. Save my daughter. But you know what God has to do in order to answer that prayer? Let's say that child's living in North Carolina and you're praying, God, wherever they are, Lord, save my child. But you know what God has to do? God has to save another person in another place that, that's going to witness to your child because they won't listen to you because all you are is a Bible thumper and you're trying to ruin their life. But what God's going to do is He's going to get somebody in their sphere of influence and He's going to save them, baptize them, fill them with His Spirit. They're off at college in North Carolina. God's going to take that person that He saved, that He won, that He filled with His Spirit, give them a scholarship to the same school, open an apartment in the same apartment building, and when they're walking down to get their mail one day, that person's going to feel a twinge in the Holy Ghost to witness to this child whose parents are thousand miles away praying a prayer God save my child you prayed one prayer for God to do one thing but God's got to set 10,000 other things in motion in order to answer your one prayer and if it takes God a year to do it so be it he knows what's best and I'm going to submit to and you're praying well God's not answering me I prayed a year ago for God to do this and he hadn't done it the problem is you don't see the big picture you don't see the spiritual alignment in the hand of the Lord that's working in the life all around your lost family. Trust God. Don't be weary in well-doing because in due season you will reap if you faint not. One of the most influential pastors in the United States of America if I called his name you wouldn't know who he was. But if I called the name of his church, he's a member and on staff, he's the associate pastor of that church, you would know the name of the church, most of you. And, and he said, I, I was listening to his testimony one day, and he was talking about how his mother was almost 50 years old. And this was, and now he's 50 years old, so this was a while back. And he said that uh, his mother was was feeling strange and feeling weird and back then you couldn't just go buy apparently over the counter you know pregnancy test you had to actually see a doctor and the doctor was a a Jewish non-believer and he told his his mother he said you you're pregnant and she said that her heart fainted inside of her she, this woman's 50 years old. She doesn't want to have a kid. She's through having kids. She's, she's almost raised her kids. And this Jewish non-believer saw the look on her face and he said, Who knows? Maybe the God that you serve has got a plan for this child. So several weeks go by. She's, she's carrying this, this child in her, in her womb and she wakes up one morning and she's hemorrhaging. And she calls the doctor and he says, look, he said, this was high risk from the beginning. Uh, you've probably lost the child, but listen to me. Don't, I need you to just lay still. Don't move. 
until I get there and I'm able to check you. He said, it'll be about 20 minutes before I can get there. Don't move, just lay there, stay still. She gets off the phone with the doctor and she goes out in the garage and she gets a jump rope off the wall and she jumps rope for 10 minutes in her garage. She didn't want this baby. Goes, lays down in her bed and she said she felt something inside of her the finality say, well, this is over. The doctor comes in, checks her, and he says, everything's fine. The baby's perfectly fine. Nothing's wrong. We don't know what's going on. The baby's okay. And so she has this child. And this child grows up to pastor one of the largest churches in the United States of America. His mother didn't even want him. And he said he was in his 40s before his mother ever told him this story. And he said, you know, I didn't get upset. He said, because that Sunday I went to the pulpit to preach. And he said, the Holy Spirit filled the atmosphere and people began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the preaching of this little boy that wasn't even supposed to live. And he said, I just lifted my hands. I said, thank you, Lord, that you've got a plan, that you work things out even when we don't understand what you're doing. That is the power of God. God has a plan. And folks, listen, sometimes it doesn't matter what we do or what we don't do. I think this is what messes us up. We see the sudden things of God. How many of you have ever seen God just do something? Boom, just, just suddenly. Just suddenly. But we miss what He does gradually. We see the hand of God sweep in and we see someone get out of their pew and come to this front and repent and make the decision to be baptized and want the Holy Ghost. And we think, my God, God just did it. And we have no clue what it took to get that person in that altar. We have no idea what the Holy Spirit has been accomplishing to bring this prayer answer into fruition. We don't have a clue. We just look at the sudden end result and we don't even realize God's been working on this for a long time. I think the things that are happening behind the scenes, and I, and I try to tell you this all the time, there are things happening in this community right now tonight that you don't even have a clue about. You're sitting on this wonderful padded pew in this beautiful sanctuary under this great air conditioning in June of 2015, and you don't have a clue what God is doing in the hearts, in the lives, and the, and the situations that He is setting up to move and minister in. Just because you don't see it, listen to me folks, it doesn't mean that God's not active, that God's not on the move, that He isn't behind the scenes fighting battles. There was a man in the Old Testament named Gideon. And Gideon, he's, he's kind of secretly at night going and letting the air out of the tires of the enemy. And, and he's, he's harvesting the wheat and all of a sudden he looks up and there's an angel from the Lord standing there. And the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, you know, I, I've been letting the air out of the tires at night. Nobody knows it's me. He said, I want you to lead the army of the Lord and overthrow the Midianites. And so... He gathers up this great big army and he's ready to go fight. The Bible says the Lord stops him and says, No, you tell everybody in your army that's afraid 
take their swords, take their spears, take their shields, and go home. Well, that knocked a big chunk in Gideon's army. The Lord said, you know, still too many. Take them down to the brook. Tell them all to drink. There's going to be two kinds of people, Obi. There's going to be the kind that get down like civilized people and dip the water in their hands and bring it to their mouth. And then there's going to be the uncivilized folks that get down and drink it like a dog. How many's ever seen a dog drink? I can't drink water like a dog. I don't know how. It's not that I'm better than dog drinking people. I just don't know how. You seen that tongue? Just well, Apparently there were some people in this army that could drink like a dog out of a creek. And Gideon's thinking, all right, well, we don't want the dog drinking people. And God said, no, that's your army, the dog drinkers. You're leaving me the crazies, God. He sent all the civilized people home. He said, Gideon, I want you to go down and I want you tonight to spy in the camp of the enemy. Gideon goes down out of all the tents. The Bible says these, these people are like grasshoppers. There's so many of them. He walks to one tent and all of a sudden he begins to hear this story. This man runs in. He's shaking. He's scared. And he said, I just had a nightmare. His partner says, well, what did you dream? He said, I dreamed that a cupcake came rolling down the hill, rolled into my tent and flattened it. And Gideon's standing outside the tent listening to this. And his buddy says, I, I got the answer to that. I have the interpretation that is nothing more than the sword of Gideon and he's going to come down here and wipe us all out. Do you know that while Gideon was fretting over his dog drinking army that God was working on the other side and that he didn't even have to swing a sword. They just had to blow trumpets, break pictures and scream and the Bible says they all turn on themselves and they kill one another with the sword while you're fretting and crying and thinking God doesn't have control. God is working all of this stuff out behind the scenes in mine and your life. Let's go to Joshua before we close. Joshua is, is leading the children of Israel. The first city they come to is a place called Jericho. And this city's got massive walls. Huge walls. In fact, these walls are so thick, the Bible says that two chariots could race side by side on these walls. It's like a highway. And the Lord tells Joshua, you're going to march around this wall of this city you're going to march around it one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times. And I can see these guys as they are walking around this wall. Nothing's happening. They don't, they don't walk, you know, 500 paces and then hear a crack in the wall. Or see the foundation shift. Nothing's happening. Now, in the nursery where the babies are during church, we've got a video player in there and it plays VeggieTales. And anytime I watch a VeggieTales cartoon about a Bible story, that becomes reality. I mean, I've seen Jonah and the whale and the Ninevites are slapping people with fish and that's their sin. But in Josh and the big wall, the enemy is standing on the wall 
and they're throwing slurpees off at the children of God as they march around the wall. And I can see that. And while they probably weren't throwing ices and slurpees down on top of them as they marched around, they were throwing stuff. They were. Who do you think you are? You know, just really riling on these people. And Joshua said, don't speak. Don't open your mouth. Don't say a word. Just walk around the wall. Walk around the wall. And they're chucking stuff at them and they're hurling insults all the time. They're walking around. Now, they're seeing the same thing every day. Same bush, same tree, same rock, same stone formation. Everything's the same. And they're not seeing any cracks in the wall, no holes in the foundation. They're just walking around the same wall, passing the same bush. And they don't understand that that's just the monotony of life. Listen, let me tell you folks something. Sometimes you're going to go to the same prayer meetings, hear the same songs at the same church service. There's going to be the same prayer request on the screen that you saw last week. There's going to be the same preacher up here preaching the same kind of message, wearing the same suit coat that he wore last weekend over and over and over. And we feel like that we're just on the wheel and God doesn't have a clue what's going on. But let me tell you what you're doing. You're actually on the potter's wheel and you're in his hands and why it seems like you're just going around in circle after circle after circle actually what the Lord is doing is he's making something out of your life every week, every service every time you come to the house of God, you think nothing's changing but you're going to look back a year from now and see how far God has brought you, listen to me, you're on the potter's wheel, Joshua says don't speak, don't shout, don't do anything and then on the seventh day they march around seven times and the wall's not falling. It's still standing just as defiant as it was the day they got there. And Joshua said, even with the wall standing defiantly in your face, I want you to shout unto the Lord. The wall is still intact. It hasn't falls. It doesn't have any cracks, no defects, no holes in it. And he said, you shout even with that wall still in your face. Listen, the hardest thing you are ever going to do in living for God is worship and praising with your wall staring you right in your face. The prayer that you have prayed for God to answer and it hasn't happened yet, but you got to pray in spite of having no answer. You got to trust that God knows what He's doing. You got to trust that God is working something out that you can't see. And the Bible says that with the wall in their face, they begin to shout, and the Lord knocked that wall down. He knocked it all the way over. There wasn't a there wasn't a partition stand up. Nothing was left. Hear me. You feel like it's the same service, the same song, the same message, the same preacher, the same everything, but hear me. You just keep worshiping and praising God in spite of your difficulty, in spite of your struggle. You just keep worshiping God in between the time you pray the prayer and the time God answers the prayer. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't faint. Don't be weary and well-doing. And a Eventually, God is going to come on the scene and He's going to knock down the wall that's in your path that's inhibiting you. Stand with me. So here we go. We got this question. Does prayer really change things? We have a Bible replete with examples. It changes things. It really changes really 
changes things. But how many of you in here right now have prayers that you have prayed? Important prayers. Prayers that are the difference between new levels and staying where you are. How many of you have prayers that you pray that you just haven't seen them answered yet? Let me see your hands. You, you, you're praying prayers like that. The question you have to ask is what are you going to do? In between the time you pray the prayer and the time God answers it, I can't tell you when He's going to answer it. I can't tell you how it's going to happen. Jesus said, Ask, and ye shall receive. He didn't stop there. He said, Seek, and you'll find. He didn't stop there. He said, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. But he didn't stop there. He said, For everyone that ask, help me, asketh. Ask it. That lends me to believe I've got to ask more than once. Everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh, got to keep looking, findeth. And to him that just keeps on knocking, it's going to come a time that's going to be open. So the question is, we've all got prayers that we have prayed for God to answer. Hadn't been answered yet. What are you going to do? You're going to quit? You're going to stop? You're going to throw in the towel? You're going to go back? I told our guys in Rescue and Hope, I asked them, I said, how many of you have ever quit before? They raised their hand. I said, wouldn't it be nice for once in your life to find out what it feels like to not stop, to not quit, to not give up? How many times have you given up? Countless times. I said, wouldn't it be nice for just once in your life for you to get a hold of something and not let go? You see, Brother Bear, I know what quitting feels like. How many is ready to know what winning feels like? Yeah. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you need to do. You just need to keep marching around that wall. Just got to keep marching. Don't complain. Don't go, God, where are you? Do you even see me? Just keep your mouth shut and put one foot ahead of the other. When, now listen, there were times marching around that wall. They weren't marching on a walking track like at Glenmore or at Oakdale. They were having to climb over stuff. I'm sure they tripped and fell and skint their knees and elbows and the palm. You ever fail and skint the palm of your hand? Oh, that hurts. 
and you just want to scream and about the time they was going to let out a yell they remember got to keep my mouth shut God said don't talk just keep walking and if I could give you any advice tonight complaining is not going to get you anywhere just keep walking Now here's what I want to do tonight. I want you one more time. I want you to think about that prayer that you have prayed that hasn't been answered yet. Think about it. You got it? Now I want you to imagine God doing all the things that it's going to take for that prayer to be answered. Sometimes it may take a thousand things for God to correct and do to answer one of your... You say, well, it's God's a simple prayer. God, save my husband. Well, first thing God's got to do is He's got to get you to quit running down the church when you get home on Sunday nights. Sometimes that's the hardest part. God's got to save somebody on His job. God's got to... Now listen... Scooter, can I call you Scooter? Okay. Scooter, there's some mama praying for one of those guys that you know is doing no telling what tonight. Maybe God saved you to answer somebody's prayer. Yeah. Chance, there might be a grandma that's already died. But she prayed prayers for her grandchildren. You know what? They don't die. The Bible says God keeps them. And maybe God reached down and got a hold of an old boy named Chance. Because he's got somebody he wants to touch over here or over here. Brother Dustin told a story that just moved my heart. He went on a trip to Lafayette. The whole thing he went for fell through. They go to eat at a, at a food court and there's a little old man in there cleaning tables. And The Lord speaks to him and says, give him some money. He walks over there and says, sir, I don't know who you are, but God told me to do this. Man starts weeping and crying. He said, I don't have any money. I didn't know how I was going to eat today, but I prayed before I got here. But God had to get a boy from Woodworth, put him in a car on a deal that he thought he was going to get, Sister Selena, get all the way down there, the deal fell through, send him over there at the right time, the guy was there cleaning the table to move on his heart. You, you see how this works? He prayed a simple prayer, God, I need to eat today. And God reached a hundred miles over here, got a man, spun him around, sent him south, Sometimes God's got to do a thousand things to answer your prayer. But don't be weary in well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not. Now I want you to take that prayer and I want you to come out of your pew 
and I want you to come down to this front. Nobody's going to grab you. Nobody's going to shake you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. This is you and God. I can't answer your prayer. He's the only one that can do it. What we're going to do is come down here tonight and take that prayer and hold it up to God and say, see God, I'm still holding on. I'm still hanging on to what you said, what you promised, what you, what you said you were going to do. I haven't gotten weary. I haven't given up. I haven't thrown in the towel. Look, I'm at church on a Wednesday night I'm holding fast to what you promised that you were going to do for me I'm not going to let go I'm going to hang on to your word and your promise in the name of Jesus come on somebody let the Lord know that you really believe that prayer changes things and you're going to be patient you're not going to give up you're not going to charge the Bible said that in all of the stuff that happened to Job not one time did he charge God foolishly there are going to be people that's going to tell you to curse God and die. There's going to be people that are going to tell you you've given years to that religion, to that church, and what have you gotten back in return? There's going to be people that are going to tell you you got rid of your friends, you got rid of all your, you turned your back on this one and that one, and what did it get you? A bunch of unanswered prayers. No, I'm not weary and well doing. I'm holding on. If God said it, I believe it. That settles it in my spirit. Come on, let's love and magnify Him right now. I want you to reach your hand out to the shoulder of someone beside you right now. I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, don't let them faint. God, don't let whatever you have to do, God, don't let them give up. God, give them strength. Enlarge their heart. Whatever you have to do, God, tonight, just give them a little nugget in their faith. Whatever you have to do tonight, God, don't let them fall by the wayside. Whatever you have to do tonight, God, let them hold fast to the profession of their faith without wavering. Whatever it takes, God, don't let them be weary in well-doing. Don't let them lose sight of the fact that you are a God that answers prayer. Come on, let's love Him all over this house in Jesus' name. I've heard people stand and say, you know, I've served God for X amount of time and I've never found a place to turn around. You ever heard somebody say that? Never found a place to give up. Never found a place to turn around. Never found a place to leave the church. I want to stand up and say, I don't know what kind of road you've been walking, but I found a million places I could stop and turn around. Anybody testify to that fact? I've had a million, million places. How many of you have had Monday mornings where you're just like, I can't take this anymore? I've, I've had a million crossroads in my life, Luther, where I could have just thrown in the towel and walked away. But I know what it feels like to quit. I know what it feels like to give up on God because I've done it. I've done it. I have walked away from the Lord because I didn't feel like I was getting what I deserved. I know what it's like, Michael, to quit. I know what it's like to make promises to God and go back on those promises. I know what it's like. You're not the only one. 
I know what it's like to quit. I know what it's like to fail. But I also know what it's like to pick yourself up. Not in your own strength, but in the grace and mercy of God. And let the Holy Spirit move and operate in your life. And put you back on the right path. I'll just go ahead and tell you what I've discovered. The worst day in the church is better than the best day in the world. I've discovered that. I can say that without equivocation. That my worst day serving God far excels and exceeds my best day serving the devil. Far exceeds excels. Hang on to your prayers. Let's give God a hand clap of praise to I really believe, I really believe that the greatest thing about the church, this is the thing that I love about this place more than anything else. And I love a lot of things about this church. What I love more than anything about this church is that I've got people that will help me when I'm down. Alicia, I've got people that will pray for me when I'm weak. I've got people that will hold my hands up when they're falling. It's the greatest thing about the church. And you're not going to win this race without scars and scratches and bumps and bruises and cuts and wounds. You're not going to win this race that way. You're going to fall. You're going to trip. You're going to get hurt. The man or the woman that crosses the finish line is going to hear one thing. Not you ran a perfect race, but that you were faithful. It's the greatest attribute in the life of a Christian. Just be faithful. When you don't know what else to do, just be faithful. If you'll be faithful, He'll make a way for you.